0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, April 22nd. It's time for another episode of Trucking Technology and Efficiency, and we're also making it a freaky free-for-all Friday. So you've got all three of us here, John and Joel are. On board with us so you can talk about whatever you want. I've got a couple things I'm going to open with. I'm sure John and Joel have some things as well. We've already got some calls on the line so you want to jump in here pretty quickly. Uh, The number to join us 855-950-3835. All right I better just get into uh, my stuff pretty quickly here. Uh, looks like we've got a lot going on today. So I did have a question on truckingtribe.com. Uh, somebody read an article this morning in Freight Waves about Heartland. I did not see the article, so I don't know what Freight Waves was talking about with Heartland. But they asked me uh, if I would expand on why I liked Heartland. I've said that in the past. I just thought it was one of the much better-run trucking companies financially. That was my real interest in Heartland. Uh, when we talk about trucking in general, and we, you know, talk about financials, and we talk about ratios, and um, most trucking companies do not perform that well. Uh, operating ratio can be a little confusing operation operating ratio is kind of the opposite of what your profit margin is so an operating ratio the lower the number the better uh, it's a ratio so many trucking companies operate with with a ratio in the 90s that means they're making less than 10% profit and um, many of the big truckload carrier or the, uh, LTL carriers at times, if they could get to a 97% operating ratio, that was actually good. There were some years they operated in the, in the red, um, an operating ratio of 101%. That's not good. Um, an owner operator on the other hand, totally different model. You would never compare these two, but we could look at it, uh, We should see owner-operators with operating ratios in the 40% range. That would be good for a single truck owner-operator. Once you add a truck and employees, then you have to start looking at those numbers a little differently. So averages in the mid-80s to mid-90s is pretty much average in trucking and It's not unusual for Heartland to operate in the 70s some years. So I I just really kind of admired them as a carrier that was very fiscally responsible, very efficient, and ran at a really nice profit. And one of the things they've never really put a lot of focus on is trying to grow. I mean, they certainly could have grown a lot more if they would have chose to, but I think they really chose to remain um, with higher profit margins. All right. Uh, real quick, our, yesterday I talked about our app for our listening app that's the first piece of our new infrastructure we're building out because that's the piece that you get to use so we want to get that into your hands as soon as possible once we do that we will probably start promoting the show again getting more listeners back in we've really been holding off doing that uh, until we do have better listening technology I've been playing around with the app for about a day and a half now, and I love it. I'm really impressed. But somebody posted wondering why we would spend the time and the money reinventing the wheel when there's already a lot of stuff out there. And I want to explain it. There's two reasons. One, yeah, there are a lot of apps out there to listen to podcasts. I'm not very impressed with most of them. They, they all seem to be missing some really nice features that make listening a much better experience. Our app is very different from just a traditional podcasting app, though, because on most podcast apps, they don't really do live stream, and they don't do live calls, and they're not on the air five days a week with multiple shows, and we plan on growing more shows. So there really isn't, Um, the wheel out there not for us we do need to invent our own wheel and we are and I'm pretty excited about it it may even become a commercial project we may end up um, turning our technology into a subscription service uh, another revenue stream so the biggest reason well, we have two big reasons, really. One, we want you to have the best experience possible. Um, the, we, we have multiple shows. The app sorts them. You can follow some shows, not follow other shows. We are working on some technology that doesn't really exist in the market at all right now on being able to search audio which really doesn't happen right now. We have a lot of topics. And if you wanted to say, I want to learn more about reading oil samples. So I want to listen to a lot of calls about oil analysis. Well, if we pull off the technology, the programming team tells me they can, we will have that ability. That doesn't exist right now. Nothing even close to that exists in any of the apps we've looked at. But there's another big reason. The app is just step one. That's the piece that you get to use. We want to make your listening experience the best it can possibly be. But the all of the stuff that has to happen in the background, we are currently using three different platforms to make this work. Uh, We have a a platform to distribute audio and pull in all the different pieces we need and mix them and create one signal. We've got a phone system that allows you to call in and us to screen those calls. Uh, And we have a system that live streams the show because we don't just do recorded shows. We do live streaming. So those three platforms are pretty important. If we lost any one of them, we'd be off the air that day we do not want to be dependent on anybody else's technology anymore. Uh, One, I don't want to be at their mercy when the technology goes down or they make a change and it breaks something we're doing and we've got to scramble to fix it. But the bigger issue, honestly, is I don't want to be canceled anymore. Uh, I don't want to be censored, deleted. Um, That's not going to happen. And if we're dependent on somebody else's platform, that would be a possibility. And there's way too much of that going on today. So we're going to build everything from scratch. And, you know, the post kind of said, well, they shouldn't be wasting that money. Well, I, I, you know, I appreciate the concern and the feedback, I really do, but I've been doing this business thing for a while. Uh, I don't look at it as a waste of money at all. I look at it as one of the biggest and best investments we'll make into our own company. And like I said, we may be able to develop a new revenue stream from this. If, if, if our technology comes out the way it looks on paper right now, uh, we will have something that doesn't exist. And there are a lot, awful lot of people out there that could use this. Podcasting is huge right now. And honestly, most of the tools we've tried, just not that impressed with. So that's that. Uh, I have a couple other things I want to talk about, but I want to make sure that we get John and Joel in here and the calls are starting to come in hot and heavy so I'll uh, I'll save some of my stuff for later looks like Joel is first up on the board this week Joel welcome back Hey it's good to be back well, Great to have you here what's on your mind this week
1: Oh lots of stuff um I want to kind of touch base back on the transmission thing. I've heard the discussion again about the double overdrive, single overdrive (laughs) thing. And, um, I just want to touch base on, on how I, I kind of look at that. Um, but before I, I get off on, on that, um, just everybody needs to be aware that this, um, violation of the clean air act looks like it's, getting very hot and heavy. And I had the opportunity to chat with some folks that are involved with some people at EPA and um, this isn't going to let up anytime soon. So just y'all make sure you have your ducks in a row um, when you start to tune and and change things in your engine. engines are generally set from the factory and certified at that setting and I know even when we change a setting uh, going from the 425 factory tune to the the 500 factory tune say they have to send us a new valve cover uh, plaque and that says that all this meets EPA requirement and whatnot and understanding is that these companies that are that they're kind of taken down here, they're turning over customer names to EPA. Whether they follow up and they go directly to the customers that, these, these shops done the work for, I don't know. But, um, my understanding is that, uh, EPA is in possession of, of these people that have had deletes done where they had sidestepped the, uh, the clean air act. So people just need to be aware of that. You know, I hate to see people get in trouble and, and have to spend a bunch of money and, and, uh, fight a legal battle.
0: Yeah, and you have to know that when, so, they, mm-hmm. when they go into these companies, they are absolutely going to get that customer data. Whether they use it or not, we won't know yet. I haven't heard much about it, but they, there's no doubt. If they go into a company like this, they're going to want to know every vehicle that that company worked on.
1: Yeah. just, just be very, very careful. Um, I, I guess that's the, the prudent thing. You know, I, 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 I like to tinker with things as much as the next guy, but when it comes to this stuff, you're going to have to be very aware of what's going on and understand the legalities of everything that's going on. And, and, I, myself, I don't understand the intricacies of what's happening here and the legalities of everything. Um, but, uh, I do know that it, it looks like, uh, it's full steam ahead on enforcement with, with this stuff as far as the uh, Clean Air Act violators. So, uh, just, just be aware of that. Got it. What else you got today? Uh, transmission stuff. So we hear this all the time, double overdrive, but there's only one overdrive ratio and there's a lot of confusion here. This is the way I look at this. So from the perspective of the driver and somebody who specs a truck, the mechanical workings of the transmission are really irrelevant. So power flow and how the gears are arranged and what that transmission, doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. It does impact the overall efficiency and you can get a general idea of efficiency from that transmission manufacturer. But when you are specking a truck, you absolutely need to know the ratios of every gear in that transmission. So if you have one overdrive ratio, regardless if it's point eight six, point seven three, or 0.66, and there's only one overdrive ratio for the purposes of speccing and operating that truck, that is a single overdrive. If you have two overdrive ratios, then obviously it is a double or a triple, whatever the case may be. And the reason we need to, we need to look at it that way is because when we do tractive effort calculations, we have to have those ratios in order to make the calculations to know, okay, we're dividing torque in these gears rather than passing it straight through or multiplying torque. So in reality, I know there's a lot of people who have a fit about this. If your transmission has a point, uh, 0.86 and a 0.73, that is a double overdrive transmission from my point of view as a guy that specs trucks and from the operator's point of view because he needs to know when he's using those that he's dividing torque. Um, the power mm-hmm. flow and, and how it goes to the transmission is irrelevant to the driver and really to the guy spec the truck. So I just just thought I'd throw that out there. I mean a lot of people are really getting out on weeds in this and it's uh, just confusing everybody so, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. And here's, here's what I've learned over the years in, in this industry and I'm sure it's not just our industry is that we'll never get control of the terms. Everybody uses them different. Again, and, to try to get everybody on board is impossible. And there are other examples of it. You know, we, we, and we all do it. I do it. We call, we call a guy with one truck and his own authority. A lot of times we call him an owner-operator. Well, is, is there a really clear term, definition for that term? Because technically, that's a carrier now. So, and we've been fighting those kind of weird, different uses of terms forever. And this is kind of the same thing. What you just said would technically be correct by the words. You have two overdrive positions in the transmission, so let's call it a double overdrive. In my mind, if it's down in the .7s, whether there was one gear or two, I think of it as a double overdrive because it's the ratio that matters to me. So, and that's, well, it's surprising how many people, every once in a while we get somebody that doesn't even know their rear end ratios, but that's pretty uncommon. Most people that own trucks at least know the rear end ratio. It's shocking how many people have no idea what just the final ratio is in their transmission, much less all the others.
1: Correct. And, And we're also kind of seeing this with a term, downsped or downspeeding ah, yep. so <laughs> we're looking at we're looking at axle ratios but just you know you like to make the suggestion put a 264 and run it in direct drive at that point you are no longer downsped when you look at your 2.64 final overall ratio. If you had a, a 308 or a 325 in overdrive, you actually have a faster overall than a yeah. 264 running indirect. So this gets very, very confusing to people, <laughs> yeah. um, how we make this work. <laughs> so, um, just, um, I guess we gotta be very careful how we, how we yeah. throw this out there, but in, in specing terms, we actually need to know what those ratios are. Um, to me, the, the four most important gears in a transmission, regardless of the number of gears are your deep reduction. So we know how aggressive we can get with the rear axle ratio and then the top three gears. Um, we need to know, is it overdrive, overdrive direct or is it overdrive direct under, or is it direct under under? Um, those are the things that that we need to know in order to kind of, to to spec a driveline efficient efficiently and and really start to take advantage of the downsped concept.
0: You know, when we were doing a lot of the um, kind of pre-emission trucks and really working on fuel economy and we were going to the 264s, we never used the term downsped. We didn't talk much about RPM really at all. Our only goal was really most trucks were running around with 355s. And if you went to 264s, you would be pretty darn close to the same RPM and direct as you were in your final drive with 355s. And that's really what we, all we were really accomplishing was gaining the efficiency of the direct drive. Because really, there, there, most of the trucks we looked at, there was about a three or 400 RPM range there sometimes that didn't seem to affect fuel economy much. Or there were too many variables that we couldn't pick it up well enough. C- correct.
1: And I know I'm going to take a lot of heat on this again, but when we look at the older manual transmissions, the, the twin counter shaft transmissions, which in reality have four counter shafts, they have two in the main box and two in the auxiliary. There's a lot of gear meshing going on there. And you know, I, I, Talked to the people at Eaton at length about this. Um, they're not ideally lubricated either. So there's some efficiency issues going on there. When you had the older traditional driveline with the 13 or 18 speed manual, the idea of getting that thing into direct to pick up the efficiency, really made some sense because yeah. like I said, you were going to, you, if you're running an overdrive, you're bringing those two other counter shafts and all those other gear meshes into play. Um, with my understanding of how the power flows through that is it's it's divided. It goes into counter shafts, comes back to the main shaft and then goes straight through. So you had, you have less total spinning mass going on and less gear meshes. So it did make some sense with today's transmissions. Um, they, kind of done away with that auxiliary section where you had the extra countershafts, shafts and they have a planetary gear set going on back there now. Um, and the Europeans, they come with a single counter shaft and they are helical cut gears which they can make smaller to take more power, which reduces some of the mass, even though that helical cut gear is slightly less efficient, they can get by with a smaller gear to reduce the mass and maintain the efficiency that they're looking for. So there's a lot of a balancing act. The point is the technology has changed. So the gearing and the way we look at things also has to change and everybody needs to be aware of, of what's happening and why.
0: And that's the purpose behind this show. So thank you for that. Now, there's one more term. Mm-hmm. Matt just reminded me of it. And I've tried forever to get people to understand this one. And, and it just didn't work. And, but I'm not giving up. Uh, every time I heard the term automatic transmission, I'm like, no, they're not automatic transmissions. <laughs> they're automated <laughs> manual transmissions. And that one would make me crazy because that's a significant difference yeah we're not pumping oil around that. Right. and when we when we say automatic we we typically
1: are thinking torque converter and and, and pumping oil and losing some efficiency in, in, in that
0: regard you you're you're exactly right yeah it, it's it's an automated manual, no doubt but that one's not going away um people still call them no, automatics it, it, it's all the not. time Yeah, so yep, yep we, we just have to deal with it all right we're uh there's always yep. so much we can talk about on the show but it's time to bring. John, and John, I have to keep you silenced there at the beginning, because once three of us get in here, it just becomes kind of a madhouse. What's on your mind today? <laughs> <It's> chaos. <laughs> I know. Uh, and
1: Joel and I have been talking about this this transmission thing for a while, too, so that's kind of on my mind as well. He sent me a whole bunch of uh, graphs and diagrams and things this morning that are, that are pretty cool. Um, you know, on that, I, I don't think people realize the efficiency jump with what he's talking about. And, you know, again, with what I do, we're looking for efficiency everywhere we can. And it all turns into speed. And In this case, it all turns into fuel in your tank uh, or fuel that wasn't burned to, to, to do that. So, you know, with the modern transmissions with that little planetary on the back to give it the extra range and just one countershaft, shaft, it's a pretty significant change. Uh, I don't people realize how big it is. I'm not sure what's in some of the other transmissions. Uh, the BT-12 would like to maybe see what's inside of but the, uh, the the Volvo die shift that he sent me the diagram of is much like a racing transmission. Uh, aside from the planetary on the back, we don't use those, but uh, that's something that's been around since the '50s. I mean, the old Laycox overdrive on an on an old NG was exactly the same thing that he's got on there, but they're using it as an underdrive instead, uh, which is which is really kind of cool. So you've got your transmission then you've got a planetary on the back to change your range, which is which is kind of neat. But uh, like we talk about, and even one would recommend that, you know, people driving, you know, you use direct on their 13 speed, even though that power flow is going straight down the shaft and out the back, you're still spinning probably 80 pounds of stuff. And that 80 pounds of stuff that's spinning requires fuel to spin. And it's also got windage from oil. And if you're not paying attention to what oil you've got in there, too, that's another drag. So you're, you're, you're turning all these gears around, and even if they're engaged, they're all still spinning. You don't realize that you don't, when you shift a gear, you don't, you only disconnect the gear from the drive shaft, basically. You don't disconnect it from drive from the engine. So they're all meshed and they're all spinning all the time. So, you know, whether that gear's loaded or not, still in there turning around and it's mass and so forth. So to clarify what Joel's been going on and some of the heat that he's getting online, and I've got to agree with him too. The, the dual counter shaft stuff actually has four. There's two little ones in the back on the auxiliary as well. So, and, and more gear spinning around back there that are bathed in heavy oil and so forth. So, yeah, so that's, that's been on my mind too. Uh, Joel, Joel told me some of the flags that he was getting and so forth. And, and I've got to agree with him on double overdrive, not being a ratio, but, being a, uh, you know, when it's got two that divide torque rather than, rather than one, regardless of what that ratio is. The ratio is just the ratio. And we had the discussion of, uh, faster gears in the rear end of the truck and how that closeens makes your, makes your ratios closer. know when I put faster gears in the back of the race car, all the, all the ratios that I'm able to change in the transmission, the steps become closer on this, uh, to get my overall ratio, my overall drive ratio. So, not to confuse things even more, but if it is a 0.6 something or whatever, uh, it, if you've got faster gears in the back, that drop's not as big in the RPM. So just give now, that some thought. Now, uh, let me
0: let me jump in there because I have a thought. That's because of percentages, right? Yes, yes. So yep. here's something, I because percentages are useful in a lot of t- places, this is one of them. There's another one I want somebody to explain to me, though, because I've never understood why as an industry, everybody who talks about, and I'm talking mostly the companies that talk about fuel economy gains, and we made this change to our product, and they always state their fuel economy gains as a percentage. But that doesn't make sense to me, because we changed physics, and a truck that's getting five miles to the gallon is only going to get half the gain that Joel's going to get. That's never made sense to me. No, it doesn't. I don't, uh, in that, in that, again, you got to watch where you use your
1: percentages. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, this this seems to be a place where it's a bad use of a percentage because it doesn't work. Just, just, right. Because when, when we make the change, we're making a change to physics someplace, but that's kind of a fixed change. It doesn't that we didn't change physics more because we were already getting more fuel economy. Did we? I don't think nope, we absolutely do. absolutely not. Right, right. So, but almost every single article you'll ever read, every product, they always put a percentage on it. I've always tried to go by tenths, and I know it's not quite as accurate because, you know, we can't measure some of these smaller gains. But that whole percentage thing has always made me crazy when it comes to fuel economy gains.
1: It's funny the way – no, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's just tough in general, whether it's percent or tenths, if you have a single truck to actually confirm any type of fuel efficiency yeah. gain. You yeah. can track the trend. And your trend may be up and it may be down, but you cannot technically say no. I gained X amount when you're running a single truck. No. And you know, that's kind of kind of what I feel thankful for in in, in a fleet application where we can have multiple trucks and we can look at things and, and say, yeah, this, this actually done something. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, you're right on the percentage thing. Um, if I'm getting 10 and somebody else is getting five and they say, you're going (laughs) to gain 4% I'm not not quite sure how that works, but in, uh,
0: (laughs) in fact, don't we kind of struggle with the opposite? It's much easier to get 10% gain on a truck that's doing five miles. Well, I'm not even going to use the percentage because, again, that's not the right way of doing it. It's easier to pick up three tenths on a guy who's getting five than a guy who's getting ten. In general, that is... That is right.
1: correct. I, I, would, I would say you're correct in 95% of the, the circumstances. That, that's right.
0: And I'm not sure how the physics work there because it's not logical to say that it should be a fixed number either way. But there's that law of diminishing returns kind of thing that I think happens in fuel economy.
1: Yeah, there is. And then now we're running into some things where we're really starting to reduce parasitic drag. And now we're watching aerodynamics have a different impact as we reduce drag. And as we start to match horsepower, um, develop closer to what is actually demanded to move the load. And as we optimize the gear train and stuff, we're seeing some, some funky things go on with numbers that way as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's getting real interesting. Um, and, uh, we'll probably still have this debate, you know, 10 years from now on, exactly how we should express this, but
0: it's, uh, it's interesting (laughs) nonetheless, no doubt. Yeah. What else you got, John?
1: That was about it. Um, I was listening, uh, listened to the show yesterday, and I then then I rolled into Power Hour from Tuesday, and uh, I probably should have texted, but well, I couldn't have. it was it was, it was a repeat. But a yeah, fellow called in. He's got a international pro star that's doing really well, and you guys went on about stuff he can buy, and and there's more stuff he could buy to make it. Get better, but no one mentioned alignment, wheel bearings, any of that stuff. Charger,
0: cooler, overhead, oil sample. Yeah, you know, I used to. Be. Yeah, I used to hit yeah, you, all of those them manifolds and intake. I know, you know, I, and uh, <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's a really, that's a good point.
1: And if he's it, listening, like, yeah, you know, For, go, go see, you know, point point that thing towards Chad out there and get him to, to run a string yeah. around it or put a laser around it and get all his wheels pointed straight, and do his caster yeah. reduction deal. And you know, there there's a lot of stuff that uh, that will be instant. It's not a whole lot of money. And the preload doctor on the bearings, you know, get, get get the drag out of those wheel bearings and get some good oil in there, and that there's 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 really so, low hanging fruit. Yeah.
0: So you know, it used the, to be the, you know pretty common for me to say before we even talk about modifications, let's talk about the overhead, your last oil sample. A, you know, look for boost leaks. I used to go through all of that stuff. I should probably just record right. that so I can just hit a button because <laughs> <laughs> I got tired of saying it. I should just hit a button, wait till it's over, and then say, okay, now let's talk. You're right, because that is a good point. That is absolutely true. We used to say it a lot more. We need to get back into that habit again. Uh, no matter how repetition, rep- repetitive it is, that really is the way you should approach this. You should not be out spending money to modify or add or update or uh, until everything you already have is working the way it's supposed to be working, and everything you already have is optimized. That's a great point. We got to get back it's into opt- that habit.
1: optimization for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. arrow, make sure nothing's flapping around. You yeah. know, if he's got arrow stuff, on, you know, uh, yeah. What, uh and he was already doing really well, which is interesting. Probably one of the best ISXs I've I've heard of. I was, pretty And shocked, I'm also yeah. a fan of the Pro Star from an aer- aerodynamic standpoint. I mean, I know everyone likes to make fun of Navistar trucks, but I mean, the aero on that LT or you know, even started off as the Pro Star, is actually really good. Um, yeah, you is. know, a- again, I'm only using my wind tunnel vision. I don't real, not know real numbers on it, but you know, those things are slick. If they, you know, get everything right on it, I think that should do really well. So yeah. So if he was, uh, like so, I said, uh, you got to go see Chad and get, get it lined up and Chad does his thing. He takes some caster out and casters just drag. Every, every time you pull on the wheel, it's just, uh, you know, that, that's, that's energy being yeah, used up. Good. I mean, if you don't mind uh, a little little wandery, you know, you don't mind it moving so, around on its own a little bit here and there.
0: That's okay. So, so there, yeah. there's my excuse for not saying it yesterday. I figured that truck with an ISX, <laughs> if it was getting that good, all of that stuff must have been optimized already.
2: <laughs> uh, no reason
1: to reinforce it. That's right. if you right. look at how they align, you know, the back, factory, factory specs on aligning rear axles are atrocious as far as I'm concerned. I, I get to keep it off the crown of the road thing, but screw that. I, I'm wait. sorry. It's, it's just going to wear tires and, you know, that all that energy's going, you know, it takes fuel. To, to do that it, it's burning fuel to keep those things pointed the wrong way like they are. So yeah, you know, if, if it were mine, I'd, uh, you know, I say run a string around the head. So we do it on a race car. And I, I know the MD alignment bits or a laser, but, uh, you know, just get everything pointed straight and, and get all the drag out of that. And like I said, let's let do his caster reduction on it. And yeah, you're, you're good. And I, I guarantee you there's, there's a half mile per gallon in, in that stuff.
0: Well, if I remember the number right, I may not get it exact, but I'm close. I think Mike Beckett says the the OEMs have like uh, seven minutes on the assembly line to align the truck. <laughs> that's I, think that's right. the, I think that's the number. Uh, well, no, it's like I seven could, well, minutes. Well, every
1: operation, so yeah. that's true. I, I was at the heat factory, and, and they, they could roll a truck out every eight minutes. So every operation in there on the assembly process is eight minutes. Yep, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, so an alignment is one of those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's exactly right. And think about it. They're building a brand new truck and in the first 10,000 miles, everything's going to move anyway. Right. So you're yeah. going to have to redo that alignment. So, you know, why spend all this time in the factory trying to get this, you know, super duper alignment when it's going to move. You know, when, once it settles in, just align it and be done with it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know everybody likes to beat up on the factory for that, but when you really think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to invest a huge amount of time aligning a truck coming off the assembly line.
0: No, it really doesn't. We've talked about that. It, it, you're going to redo it anyway. So we, we just, but it, it's one more way to get people to realize um, how many people buy a new truck and never align it. I mean, they just wait till 80,000 miles when they start getting weird tire wear and then they start thinking about it. <laughs> so we tried to get right, them to understand right, there's yep. two big reasons why you need to do it early. One, they didn't do a very good job at the factory and two, it's all going to move and shift and wear in anyway.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to talk about because we, we've talked about this a lot in the past, this idea of, you know, what, what are we going to see first in this industry, true battery electric trucks or uh, hydrogen electric trucks? And we've talked about cost and range and all kinds of other things. And I read a really good article this morning. I forget who wrote it. Um, And I I didn't realize this till he pointed it out. And then I started thinking, and it's absolutely true, I have not seen a single hydrogen electric truck with a sleeper. They're all day cabs. There's no room for a sleeper. They're running it. Um,
1: in Europe, Volvo's got some They're the heavier transports with a sleeper on it, longer what's distance, um, hydrogen electric with a sleeper on them. What's
0: but, the sleeper um, size and the what's the wheelbase? It.
1: Well, it is a, obviously it's a cab over and I couldn't give you the exact details yeah, on it. All I know is that it's it's it, there.
0: It's not that you can't do it. It can be done. The problem is you either end up with a longer wheelbase or a smaller sleeper or both. I mean, there's got to be room for those giant hydrogen tanks for storage and that's the only place on the truck they fit. So it's not that it can't be done, it's just can we deal with the longer wheelbase and the smaller sleeper.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah, there's there's some definitely
0: some challenges
1: there, but in in regards to which one's going to win out. I, I don't think it's a question of which one's going to win out. I think we're going to, we're going to have diesel. We're going to have battery electric so. and we're probably going to have hydrogen yeah. all at the same time for a long time. And, um, you know, you, you'd, uh, posted some information about the, uh, and I can't say it, the two stroke diesel, the opposed, the opposed <laughs> piston yeah. diesel. the Acadies. Acadies. Yeah. Katie. So I, uh, right away called some, some of my engineering buddies and we, you know, we talked about that. Um, it's definitely interesting. Um, I have a hard time getting over the noise coming from a guy that drove two strokes for a big part of my (laughs) career. I am not a fan of that two. that I'm not a fan. Um, so I even, I even got on YouTube and, and, uh, just to see if it really, and it does, it sounds like a two stroke. They had a a Ford pickup truck with like a 2.7 liter Katie and it sounded just like a a 353 Detroit running around. You know, it's, it's that same sound to it, which doesn't, enthused me. Some people apparently like that, but uh, I was going to say I don't want to have to wear earplugs a, going
0: down the road. That's a real <laughs> personal preference. There, I kind of like the sound of the six V ninety two.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it, it's fun, but I would not want to be sitting on top of that thing for fourteen hours a day. Let's no, that's just put true. it that way. The, um, uh, you know, I, the Detroit, they do sound different. They're a little cool, the two strokes, but God, I could not imagine doing that day in, day out again.
0: Well, look so at that, how many. That's one thing. That there are. Mm-hmm. Look at how many people we have running around with straight stacks. I can't imagine what that's <laughs> no, like all day it. long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't care what engine it. you've got. <laughs> well, listen to me. I, I, you know, kind of did it on my coach, but I can't hear it. It's way back there. Yeah, I don't, don't have to worry about coach. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and I I did um speak in straight pipes. I did take my I shift shifter and I put this really long extension on it so I have to read There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to put See, it in gear so yeah. <laughs> I was I was going to run some straight pipes out the back too, but
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, I kind of have long uh, now you need the chrome. I kind of have long stick envy. I haven't you know, it doesn't make sense for me to put it in the coach cuz it would just be fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: and, and, as but, we were talking about yesterday, Joel, he's compensating for something there with that. that, 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 that that's that, there. There, that's there. right. There's
0: there's that's compensation right. going on. That's right. Yep. That's, right. Yep. <laughs> that's what it's right. all about. <laughs> all right. All right. We uh, I I, I think we've got to get to some phone calls because uh, we could we could just go on and on all day here. Let's uh, let's head off to Oklahoma. Mark, welcome to the program.
3: Kevin, Mark Gwen, uh, currently in Oklahoma from Houston. Uh, I, I got the pleasure of meeting you at, uh, I was with Paul at the uh, Louisville truck show so oh, yeah. when that, uh, talked a few minutes there. So, uh, anyway, I just want to tell you, I appreciate you and uh, enjoyed meeting you and all like that. So thank you. Okay. I have a question. All right. Okay. My numbers for the first quarter, uh, my revenue for the first quarter was 108,636 miles. That was on 31,113 miles for, uh, all miles for three, uh, $3.49 a mile. Wow. Uh, my fuel costs were, uh, the average I paid for a gallon of fuel was $3.65 on the nasty plan. Uh, and that's all that was from cheap fuel to really high fuel. Currently now my 90 day average is 77 cents. Uh, a mile uh $0. 77 cents yeah a mile uh, per gallon. Uh, so uh I can use Paul's bookkeeper uh, my taxes are all done and all of that. So I have a cost that's involved in what I do in that $3.49 a mile whereas because I haul cars and uh my fuel mileage is really bad. It's we all agree. I mean uh, Steve Krohn couldn't help me do anything. He said, maybe you got to lower your front to <laughs> your front <laughs> yeah. clearance a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, so, uh, I use a lady to book my freight and, uh, it's a dispatch service, but it's like, uh, all they do is book it and the money comes to me and I pay them. And, uh, but with this new, and I've been doing this, this car hauling with the, the, the 10 car control setup now for a year. And, it, it was a learning curve and everything's coming into uh, like uh, I understand it more and there's different customer bases. So my cost to them is 8%. Now, if you look at the mileage, percent, my, the cents per mile that I'm paying in, it's just below 28 cents a mile that I could eliminate and do this myself, which I am considering doing because the lady that I use has personal problems It's interfering with her ability to do work. And she doesn't understand when I say all miles, all miles. And she brings other things in the equation. And I, this morning, I just flat out told her, I'm like, I really don't care about other people. The only person in business I'm concerned with is me, right. which right. I get this, like I'm selfish or whatever, which I'm not selfish. I'm worried about me cause that's all I can hey, control. Cause hey, you Mark, said in the beginning
4: of this Corona Mark, crap.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me jump to the, Chase here. I'll book your loads for 25 cents a mile. That's outrageous. (laughs) 28 cents a mile. Yeah. yeah. Cancel that yesterday.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I asked Paul, Paul's like, well, I haven't done your business model before, but, he goes, I wouldn't put up with that shit. No. So, no. Uh, now,
0: look, I, you know, I get it. Yeah. If somebody, I, I am all for running a business where you focus on your core competency, what you do best, which is driving and delivering cars. And I have no problem outsourcing other stuff to other people. But that is an outrageous price. And I don't care how she tried to spin it or explain it or what else she thought she was doing. But that's that's just, uh, that's insane. Um, yeah,
3: yeah, it, it, it really it, it really gets driven home when you run it down to the cents per mile yes, on all miles. Right. And when you do yep. that, it's like when you look at it eight percent, you think, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then when this morning <laughs> I'm laying in bed and I'm like looking at it this, I'm
0: this, like, this is uh, where that yeah. uh, this so. is where that percentage thing doesn't work again. Great example because freight rates are all over yeah. the board. If she's getting eight percent when you're booking freight at a dollar eighty a mile. Uh, yeah, it, that that might actually work out to decent math, but at three forty nine a mile, and all of a sudden she's getting eight percent. She's still doing the same job. She's getting twice yeah, as much yeah, money because I, it was based okay. on a percentage. But this is another great example, Mark. You listen to the show. How many times have I told people understand your numbers because these things then become oh, apparent. Yeah. Right. Then now you get it. You understand it. Yeah. You
3: you have to know your numbers down to everything. And it's like, they tell you everything that's going on. Yeah. And it's like, when you look at it, when you break it down, the cost down to that, it's like, yeah, I have a problem here. And it's right. like, right. I know what the solution is. I just have to figure out how I'm going about it. Cause Paul's like, did you tell her to have off? I'm like, no, well, no, I can't exactly <laughs> do that right now. I got too much in accounts receivables and stuff like that. I said, yeah. well, that's, I, I, the lady we use in accounting who I'm going to offer her some more money to handle the receivables. I'm like, she's getting a knee replacement today. So she's out of the picture. So I, there's things I kind of have to wait on right yeah, now. That's so it's fine. like, I've got to right. get a, I've got to get a p- plan together to like how to go about doing this. And it's like, and here's another example. I talked to some people that control Hyundai, a significant amount of Hyundai and uh, Kia freight over there. And I recently last week called a load farm and it was from Montgomery. To Beaver Falls, uh, and Joel, uh, uh, John knows where it is, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, went up there and then loaded mm-hmm. it in the air no well, came back to Raleigh. Well, the load to Beaver Falls paid $4,900 out of Kia, and I called him, and I was talking to the lady, and she's like, I said, I got an email. She goes, you're on an email list with I said, yeah. She goes, you must have done something right and got good ratings because... We just don't put the everybody on the email list because he said we like to offer it to people we know first before we go out and put it on the load board. Exactly. And I'm like, ah, that sounds like a Rutherford, there's a Rutherford right there, <laughs> there speaking to me to a lady, a lady, a lady in Georgia. So, you know, yeah. Hey, so,
0: hey, you know, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania is famous for something. Donnie I Iris. Have no is, idea. Donnie Iris is from there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Most people know who that is.
0: Yeah, a lot of people I have probably no Donny Iris and the Cruisers, great, great, great uh, rock band from uh, early seventies. They're still around though. My, um, I've been to so many of his concerts over the years because Michael Stanley was from Cleveland. They always toured together. Uh, but I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and he said, "Hey, we're going to another Donny Iris concert." I'm like, yeah. Haven't we been doing that for like fifty years now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you, should see, you should see him, Kevin. He's 75 or I think he's seventy-five now. He is so fit. He looks. He looks like he's. He looks like he's in his late fifties or early sixties. Max. Boy, maybe um, I do need so, to go so see, see him one, one more tailors. time. And yeah, he is. He sounds great. I saw him less than a year ago. Did
0: you really? Uh, it was fantastic. I didn't oh, yeah, know yeah, you were a Donny, yeah, Donny Irish I've seen fan within the last
1: year. Oh, I love
0: Donnie. Yeah. Me too. Uh, yep. Me too. All right. All right. Well, well,
3: well uh, Paul called you Paul, <laughs> Paul but, uh, uh, Kevin, I appreciate, uh, everything you do and all of you guys, because it's like, I've told people, I said, I always, you know, Roger Pinsky did this. It's like surrounded in people with people that know more than he knows. It's like, that's how you learn something. you can't have an ego. I mean, you can have an ego, but you gotta, you gotta find people that know what they're, they're talking about. They can, talk the talk and walk the walk. And, uh, and like I said, I really appreciate all you guys for what, everything you all do and all like that. Cause I, I learned so much and it's like, you know, there's, there's still much to learn. So, but anyway, uh, I just thought I would run this question by you because, uh, it's like that, that number yeah. stood out and I'm like, you know, I can make a lot of mistakes for that amount of money on myself when I'm figuring this shit out. So Yeah, and, uh, and the, the other yeah, thing is,
0: you know, if you just say, look, it's something I don't want to deal with, I don't, don't want to spend that time, you can find somebody who will do it far more reasonably. I know it's a little harder because in your industry you want somebody that really understands it, but that that price is just outrageous.
3: Yeah, when it, you know when I was making less with different types of equipment and all like right. that, and my, my my the reason I upgraded to this size of equipment and all like that is because I wanted to make this kind of money. Oh yeah, and it's like Makes with sense. this kind of money comes the responsibility of having people to manage your money, and and that's why I went out there uh, a little over a year ago, and I, I was like I asked Paul, I'm like Paul, I got a problem in accounting. I'm like you know you know we listen to Rutherford and it's like he talks all this. I said I have a problem. Uh, and you, you seem to have no issues. Can you refer me to who you do? And he goes, yeah, but she has car hauling experience and she's worked in the business for years. And it's like, she took me on and got me straight. And I was a handful to get straightened out, but it's like, you know, it it had to be done. Well,
0: let me tell you one of the uh, patterns that I've noticed in, in this industry is that the higher the revenue in a specific segment the less likely owner operators are to pay attention to their expenses. They, they get lazy. They don't have to. I, I, I used to say this about FedEx contractors constantly because I used to do a ton of accounting for these guys and it would make me crazy. I'd look at their expenses and I'd be like, guys, what are you doing? And they'd be like, well, who cares? We buy a new truck every 18 months. We can afford it. I've got 10 trucks. And I'd be like, I know 10, that's 10 times the amount of money you could be saving if you just paid attention to a couple of these things. Car hauling's the same way. The revenue can be so high that people get lazy on yeah. their expenses. But to me, it's, it's easy it, to do. It is easy to do. We see it a lot. It doesn't mean it's a good way to run the business, but it's common. We see it all the time.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I'm I'm sitting here looking at this expense and I'm like, that that's just that's that's outrageous. And because I'm trying to get like you've told you said this a million times. There's, you, there's, there's things you can control the, your, your spending. And, and the only two ways to increase, you increase revenue and increase right? spending. That's the right. two things you have control over. And it's like, it's, it's basic and well, it's like, let's, okay. But, let's just you know. drive
0: this lesson home real quick. How many miles do you normally run in a year?
3: Well, now that I've quit drinking and I pay attention (laughs) to my health
0: and things like that,
3: it's gone up. My my first quarter, no, because I would get lazy and be like, okay, i go to work whenever and all that. But almost two years ago, I quit drinking, so I don't drink anymore. So it's like I I, I get up, I'm ready to go to work. And so I did $31,113 in the first quarter. So if well, that tells you anything, I'm on a, it, p- what, what my pace is.
0: So. It, 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 it does. Let's do some quick math here. That means about 120,000 miles a year, which means you will pay her between thirty dollars
3: and $35,000. I know. I know. I've, and, d- I've done that. It's and like, then, then what I, I like pay, to do just
0: so, for know. myself to drive that lesson home is I like to sit down and make a list of all the things I could do with that money if I had it back. Yeah,
3: I'd like a new Subaru right there, now. There you honest. go. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> yeah, you could walk down and pay cash.
0: Maybe. Maybe what Subarus are yeah, now like 60000 yeah. or something, right? I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. I do it. I do del- it. Del- del- yeah.
3: I'm, I'm now, I'm now, I've now got myself a position to haul Toyotas. Of course, they got manufacturing problems too, but I've got, I just hauled my first Toyota load out of Houston the, the day before yesterday. And I looked on the, the RAV4 at $33,000. And I guarantee that Toyota dealer is going to mark that up
0: $20,000. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's crazy so, out there today. Yeah, hey, mark, it was a, high, great, it was a high, Great stuff. Got to cut you loose. I just looked at the clock. I looked at the board. I told everybody to call. They did. We've got to get to some of these calls. Let's go to Georgia. Tim, welcome to the program.
5: Hey, Kevin. Glad to hear you're still on buddy. We appreciate you. Yeah. What
0: can we <laughs> help you with today?
5: <laughs> we got uh, you and Joe and everybody. I just love it. i got an oil sample. i got one of those trucks from the middle of Tennessee and I had Detroit rebuilt it the short time and I'm not very happy
0: with the oil sample.
5: After having a five months rebuild
0: on. Okay, so, so um, all right. So I was a little. I actually looked at this before the show today when the email came in because I wanted to be prepared. But it uh-huh. would. It's saying that there's six hundred and twenty six thousand miles on this engine. That doesn't sound like that's the case.
5: No, that's not the case. There's about uh, eighty nine. Well, let's see here. Look at this. I got it
0: actually one. Let me. Uh, yeah, there's. Why the hell is it not working? Um, while you're doing that, I was just. I normally don't even look at their notes or comments. Um, I normally just uh-huh. look at the numbers, but this time I decided to do it. Um. I want to read this to you guys. Tell me what you think. Um, This oil run was a little shorter than the last one, but we're seeing metals read a little higher overall. That's not bad. Still, given the fact that you're running 60,000 miles on the oil, these numbers don't look too bad. Do you have a bypass? Okay. No, I don't. Okay. And what engine is this? I don't see it on here.
5: Uh, Your favorite, 12.7 Series 60.
0: Oh, why are you running sixty thousand mile oil drains without a bypass on a Series sixty?
5: Oh, so I changed the the. I've been watching my oil consumption. I was running that was that oil you got. You're looking at is it, fully synthetic, and I only put like four gallon in it. So I changed the filters in at thirty thousand.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I would, you know, I like extending drains, but I want to do it with with good bypass filtration um but then then uh i thought this is an odd statement these numbers don't look too bad iron is from the cylinder shaft lead is from bearings and tin is an alloying metal as long as you're getting good oil pressure and not hearing odd noises like knocking. That seems like a really odd thing to write on an oil sample. What? Uh, John Joel, does it does that seem odd to you? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a little odd to me. Uh, it seems a lot. Right, yeah. Is this uh, so? I got about 89000 about eighty nine thousand on rebuild. Oh yeah, this does not look good at all. Um, for no,
1: what, is this only your second change since the rebuild, though?
0: I mean, uh,
5: no, no, actually, right The the one that he, he's looking at right now is sixty. You know.
1: Well, you only had twenty thousand on the first. I, I I'd change it quickly and then yeah. do a quick sample in about twenty five thousand to see. I mean, there seriously could still be some stuff left over from the rebuild.
0: Yeah. Are you using and, and if are not running
1: bypass filter, and if you're if you're not running bypass filtration to help clean that up? I know you, you switched the filters at one point, but, uh, they're, they're, they're not fine enough to make that much of a difference. I would, uh, i dump this stuff now and then, uh, run it for a little while, you know, even like 15,000 to another sample before you get too freaked out about it.
5: Yeah. Well, I just changed it. I changed it with that sample. So I'm going to run it for okay, we'll another one. Yeah. I, I yeah, would, I, do, I would do it, dump it at 15 yeah. do a or change the filters. Yeah. Dump it at 15 or change well, the filters
0: at 15. Don't dump it. See, here's the other thing. I'm not sure if people are using oil samples correctly. You should sample prior to when you would normally change. And when I say prior to, meaning, you know, if, if it's going to take you a week to get your results back, well, then sample a week prior to when you would normally change it because it's the sample that's going to tell us whether to change it or not.
5: Right, right. But, so I will have to get it some kind of siphon to pull it out of the fuel tube to get it out. Yeah, I you guess. can. You, you can use a vampire.
0: Yeah, you can use a vampire tube, It works just fine. We don't see any goofy readings or anything. So, um, but I, I it, we can't really tell anything from the sample because I just think you ran the oil too long.
5: Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll run fifteen and pull another sample, and we'll get another see what happens, and I'll call you back and see what
0: happens. Sounds good.
5: Because it'll tell, tell us, like, you know, before, when, uh, how many, you know, everything.
0: Well, so. it'll tell us a lot about the condition of the engine. I, I mean, right after an in-frame, we can look at things and see how well they did the in-frame. Is it, is it tuned right? Is it running efficiently? Um, are we seeing excessive wear metals, which we really don't want to see? It, it, a little bit higher in the beginning, but... But the problem with this is, it's just we normally don't look at sixty thousand mile oil without a bypass filter. So it's it's okay, and it's 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 we're really soon after an in frame. It's just it's not good information right now. So let's get a pretty quick one done at about fifteen thousand.
5: All right, I'll do that, and I'll call you back. I appreciate you guys.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah. Um, as long as your engine's not knocking and you have good oil pressure, don't worry about it.
5: <laughs> that,
2: <laughs>
0: oh, uh,
1: did, did the shop, did the rebuild also do the oil sample, I wonder? I uh, Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> holy cow. I,
0: uh, let's go to Iowa. Chris, welcome to the program.
4: Um... I was just, uh, want to know if I were to go out and purchase a truck right now, um, on like a two year loan, um, to pay it off. If I just keep paying myself what I'm paying my or what I'm getting paid now from a company, um, and save everything else and do improvements or fuel mileage and stuff as I have the money to do so, uh, sh- would I be all right to do that? Or should I wait till the prices of the equipment come down and, the uh, economy kind of level off?
0: I can't imagine anybody buying a truck or trailer today. I really can't. I, I, I no matter how well off you are financially, no matter how solid your business is, I, unless some you know crazy circumstance where you have a customer that you just have to keep happy and you need another piece of equipment, but otherwise, I, I just can't imagine buying stuff right now.
4: Okay. So I'm, I'm pretty secure where I'm at right now. So I think that kind of answers that I had a feeling that's where you're going to go with it, but I just wanted to get I mean, your opinion on it. So I do greatly appreciate it. Go ahead.
0: Well, you know, I was going to say there have been times in the past where equipment prices might be up 10, 15, 20 percent. We kind of bite the bullet and we just do it. But. These prices that I'm still seeing are just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they're nowhere near where they should be. John, Joel, you guys have any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I don't suspect that you know, the used equipment market's going to maintain these crazy prices. I mean, even new stuff for that matter. Right. If you're not a fleet buying multiple units, you're, you're going to pay crazy amounts, you know, buying right off the lot. So, um, I would definitely wait, especially if you're not pressed and you don't have to do anything. If you're in a good spot, just sit there and wait. Um, it's going to be more than worth your money to do so.
4: All right. Well, I do greatly appreciate it guys. And I do uh, enjoy listening on the podcast more than on the radio. And I am going to get that email in there to, I believe Angie, to try and be part of the, uh,
0: the beta. Um, yeah. The beta testing.
4: Beta. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Cause I'm on Android and I think that uh, app would be a fantastic thing, especially for people out here on the road driving throughout the day. So.
0: Yeah. Well, but, Get the, uh, get the email in. We have a limited number of spaces uh, for the beta testing program. We want to manage that. We want as much feedback as we can, but there's a lot to manage on our side, so we don't want to get overwhelmed with it. Uh, but we are even exploring technology that will change the app based on whether you are driving or not. And. We can know whether you're driving or not from your GPS, from your phone. So, uh, we've got some pretty cool stuff that you just don't see in other podcast apps because we're addressing our market directly. Uh, John and Joel, I mentioned that to you guys earlier in text. You guys should get on that program. Help us out with it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Also, Aaron, I'll, I'll text Aaron after uh, after the show here and see. Hey, real quick before we jump off, I'm, I'm gonna. I've been sitting here geeking out about gears. Um, not that I wasn't paying attention to other things, but I got my Excel spreadsheet out, okay. <laughs> and, you know, cause Joel and i go on and on about drops and how I think they could be more progressive. Um, but when you look at the overdrive and you were talking about a double overdrive or not, and basing that upon the number, I, I throw, it looks like Joel's truck's got a point seven eight overdrive, right? Uh, seven, eight, nine, correct. Yes. Seven, eight. Yeah. So I just did seven, eight. So, if your truck still has 264 gears in it, it will go from 1369 to 1068, which is 301 RPM drop at 62 miles per hour. So, if you're going 62 miles per hour down the road, if your truck's got 250s in it, the drop would be 256 from 301. That's a significant percentage. And yeah, if your truck's got 219s in it, really? it only drops 249 RPM. Wow, so exactly call. Yeah. So that same, that same overdrive, the same reaction. So just, just to hammer that home for people who don't understand if right. they're specking a truck and say, Oh, that overdrive's huge. Well, if it's got fast enough gear to your end, <laughs> It really isn't. Yeah. And you have to remember in order to be able to turn that gear and have reverse speed and startability that you need, then you have to have the deeper reduction than what we're accustomed to seeing in a 13 or an 18 speed manual. And that's why I like the 13 and 14 speed. I shift the 14 speed in particular, I get that crazy 42 to one reduction or, or whatever it is. I mean, it's just crazy deep. So I can start a 219 overdrive or a 205 overdrive. And you're exactly right. My my truck with a 2.16 versus an 18 speed with a 355 from my overdrive to direct, even though it's 24% is the exact same RPM drop as going from 0.73 to 0.86 in that traditionally geared truck. It's the oh. exact same drop.
0: Yeah, that's right. that really yep. is interesting when you hear the numbers like that because I, I I've never even really thought about this, but that's uh, now that and part of it was we didn't have a whole lot of options anyway. They made you know six hundred and twenty seven transmissions, but they were all the same, um, <laughs> just, so we didn't have a lot of options to pick from. But now that now that we're starting to get these transmissions like that fourteen speed and these really fast gears, it's kind of exciting.
1: So my yeah, question yeah, okay. is, mm-hmm. is Joel, um, mm-hmm. are they electronically speed limiting the trucks? Cause according to my calculations, theory, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go really yeah. Fast. Uh, yeah it's, it's around 139 mile an hour or something like that. Yeah. No, they, yeah well, they put like, the brakes on it at about 81 mile an hour. So, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so that that's not just based upon RPM. So, yeah, it's not just hitting the limiter on RPM because, yeah, uh, Uh, according to my calculations here, at seventeen hundred RPM. You're going one (laughs) hundred (laughs) and twenty-four. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that's that that, that's exactly right. But the the other thing to keep in mind too is when you look at these new engines, there's a reason that we are producing horsepower at lower RPM, and obviously that's to leverage the benefit of the lower piston speed. So that extreme overdrive which was never really usable in the past is completely usable now um with with today's modern engine so that that's just something to keep in mind
0: hey i've got i've got an assignment for you too so john i'm going to give you the geeky part of this and joel you get the fun part Um, John, you, you know, you, you seem to know how to do all these crazy kind of calculations. I was just thinking in my head, you calculated that the truck should do like 130 miles an hour based on the gearing. Do we have enough horsepower to push that thing through the wind at that speed? No, you you run out of no. horsepower
1: in that 80-mile-an-hour range um, with a 455. Uh, it really starts to take some serious horsepower that's to push that truck thinking. faster than 80-mile-an-hour. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what
0: I want John to do. Tell us how much horsepower we would have to have oh, to get that speed. Oh, I can figure that out, yeah. I, th- yeah, yeah, we I thought you could. So yeah, I'll, okay. It, and then Joel, you're, you get we, the, get, we can do that on the calculator as well. <laughs> yeah. You you get the fun so part. My, my last truck. I, I want mm-hmm. you to go out and see where it really tops out at. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I, I
1: tell, I tell you what, we'll just go, you know, jump on Donner or one of those and we'll just kick it neutral. Like go. <laughs> But but yeah, no, I, but I've I've actually done that out west, and it's about 81, 82 mile an hour. Right, right in there, she's she's about done. Um, that's so all you're gonna get.
0: So that's kind of interesting because running out west, I get passed by some of those trucks that are doing eighty, and you start thinking about how much how much horsepower that requires.
1: Uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah. you're you're yeah. exactly right. Yeah, wow. it's nuts. And and as you know, you know the energy's in the fuel, you know. So if it's it's making energy, burning (laughs) fuel—that's right. (laughs) You know, burning it more efficiently is great. You know, that makes a big difference. I realize, but yeah. Wow. The other thing to keep in mind when you're out west is you get those twenty and thirty mile downhill slope, true, right? And you can you yeah, you can you can really run the speed up on those. They're they're slight, but they are downhill, and it does make a difference, no doubt. Interesting. All right. So. Yeah, my last my last truck was a three seventy seven Pete with the full. Uh, you guys can Google this. Kanepa uh, is a uh, he, the guy who does restorations and stuff on the West Coast, but he built race transporters for some years. And it had a custom front bumper and side skirts and everything was sealed off. It was a three seventy seven Pete with smooth headlights in it, and it was slick. It was really slick, and it had two sixty four gears in it, and it was a. 1991 or 92, I forget what year it was. And when I bought it, it only had 400,000 miles on it. It was originally built for Nissan's GTP program, which was kind of cool. It had a plaque on the dash. It said, this Peterbilt custom, Lucas custom built for Nissan performance technologies. It, it was kind of a neat truck. But it had 13 speed with two overdrives in it, and, and we had a, a 264s in it. And it had a Cat uh, 3406B in it, mechanical. Yeah, And I put a, a Schwitzer turbo on it and a, and a, a door light after cooler and I put uh bigger injectors in it and I turned the screws the whole way in on the pump. I don't know what it made. It made an awful <laughs> lot of smoke and noise too, uh, but it was fun. And my, my driver heading across the desert, we're on, off to a race in the Guinness or something in the middle of the night, in the desert, he would, he decided to see how fast it would go and sent me a picture of the speedometer that only, I believe only went to a hundred, but it was the needle was pointed somewhere about straight down. If you did the math, it was somewhere around <laughs> one twenty, and so and it was, it was just screaming. Yeah, so he, he you know, I think he was still driving when he texted me the picture of the speedometer, and you know, it made it the whole with it twenty one hundred RPM or wherever we had it limited to. I think it was, I think it would turn twenty one hundred, and it was uh, it, it got a whopping four miles per gallon on a good day, but it was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's what we used. And uh, it's not not what I do. What not what I do if I had it to do again. But it was a, it was a cool truck.
0: Yeah, sounds like it.
1: And yeah, so, yeah. All right,
0: all right. Yeah, we're gonna that was fun. Continue on. We've got more calls. We're gonna head off to Washington. Dan, welcome to the program.
6: Uh, thanks for taking my call, Kevin. And um, I've got a 2020
3: Glider Western Star 4900. About to put some new drive tires on it. Wanted to compare, right now it's got eleven R twenty two fives. Was thinking about going down to a, a low pro. Um can you tell me if there's a benefit? And let me also tell you, we normally run seventy to seventy five mile an hour.
0: Okay. We're going out so, from eighty. So so there's a benefit in physics. We can talk about that first. The, the lower sidewall has less rolling resistance because you have less flex. Now, there's other variables, but if we're comparing the same make and model of tire in just two different sizes, then we get rid of most of those variables. And the shorter the sidewall, the less flex, the less rolling resistance. So um, we've got that. We've got a smaller footprint. So that's less rolling resistance. We have less rotating mass, so we have a a physics uh, advantage there. So, yeah, I'm a believer in smaller tires are more efficient. Uh, Another issue right now isn't always an issue, but tires are getting harder and harder to come by. And the tire manufacturers are all saying that when they have to decide which tires to build, they build the most popular, so the odd kind of sizes don't get built as often, so they're going to be harder to find. And I have to believe that low pro twenty two fives are the most popular tire in trucking right now. So now then, you've got to say, okay, we have all that figured out. Now we have to look at gearing, though. We we want to make sure you're not messing up your gearing. I kind of doubt that you would going from just an eleven R to a low pro. Um, but there are two issues you have to look at there. John and Joel, any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, Yeah. in, In the terms of gearing, you can see a significant horsepower Delta when you go from a a standard profile to a low profile in certain instances, depending on your final drive gear and and what your gearing is in the transmission. When we do those tractive effort calculations, sometimes changing a tire size can be a 15, 18, 20 horsepower difference in certain circumstances. Um, but I think Kevin, you're you're right. Typically, it, it's not going to be that extreme, um, so you're probably okay in, in that regard, unless you've got some some pretty fast gearing in that truck already, and you're right out there on the edge. Um, I, yeah, you know, changing that tire size may have an impact.
0: Yeah, I think you should always calculate it. That's why I okay. brought up both issues. You should always go double okay. check to make sure you're not going to screw up your gearing, but as far as physics go, John, are there any advantages to that bigger tire? No, none. I didn't think so. Um, yeah,
1: yeah as physics. Said, no. But, well, again, you do lose some contact patch and get smaller, so the bigger tire does have a little bit more rubber on the road. Aside from that, there's really not a whole lot, uh, a lot, lot to do there. it'll ride nicer. I mean, so yeah, the taller tire actually has a, has a, has a smoother ride, obviously. Right. Right. But. Um, Again, the gearing is going to kill you on that one. I mean, if, you, if you're going to do the, the low pros into do a gear change at the same time, especially running the speed you run, that's uh, yeah, that's going uh, to be tough.
3: Okay, we have the 14-liter uh, pre-EGR Detroit. We have a 13-speed, mm-hmm. and we have 342 rear ends in this Western Star.
0: Yeah, with three forty-two. No pros. No way. Ooh, No. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to run seventy-five <laughs> miles an hour. No, that's that's not that. I, I don't know that I would make that, that change.
1: That, no, that girl from okay. be screaming.
0: Yeah, you're so, you're yeah. You're, already well, wrong. You. Uh, you're already geared I'm wrong. You're already geared wrong, and just, what, and if you make this tire change, you're going to be geared wronger, and we don't want to do that. Stronger.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Add that to the dictionary. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, hey, what do you, what transmissions in the hey, 13 speed?
3: We, if we were going to make a change on the, excuse me, if we were going to make a change on the rear ends, and we still wanted to run that speed, and say we did want to get down into direct, hey. would it be possible? And what number would you go down to?
0: Dan, before they answer that, well, I'll, let, I'll let them work out the numbers because my first thought was, you better have a damn good reason for running 75 miles an hour with $5.10 <laughs> <cent> per fuel. <laughs> Seriously.
3: Well, okay. it, 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 it's time-sensitive freight, basically, is, is the my, issue. Yeah,
0: I, Okay, so it's time-sensitive. Oh. What's it paying per mile?
3: That I have to, my, my boss
0: knows. Oh, okay. All right. I thought this was your money. Um, all right. it's not your money, I don't Uh, know. We're Um, we're a
3: small, we're a small four truck company. You know, he tells me where to go and he gives me a hell of a paycheck.
0: So just so we understand the impact. So, Again, you got to look at the rate. Is that time sensitive freight paying enough for you to go do this? And and a lot of people just don't look at it. They say, oh yeah, it pays more. Well, how much more? Because the difference in today's fuel costs between running 75 and 65 is about $12,000 and if you wanted to go fifty five which it works, freight still gets delivered at fifty five um, you're talking twenty five thousand dollars per truck difference in fuel cost. that's a hundred thousand dollars on the bottom line for a four truck fleet
1: yeah absolutely I understand. yep so but if, if you want to do it yeah go ahead if you want if if you want to do that and it's cost justifiable. Myself personally, I'd drop a two
0: fifty in there, a two forty seven, and and run it. So now let's let's the, do. two fifty. Fl- let, let's do they some more 2. math. zero. Let's do some more math. You want me to, you
1: want me to give you some real numbers? Yeah, hold, hold I, I've got real numbers here.
0: Hold on, before you do, John, because I somebody needs to answer okay. this with today's shop prices and everything else going on. What's it going to cost to change gears?
1: Uh, I am going with at least eight grand
0: yeah so we gotta make yeah, up if that you buy
1: stuff if, yeah if you buy it new that's that's exactly right. You find ratios like two forty seven and two fifty, which was a very popular direct drive ratio a few years ago, and you can pick those things up fairly inexpensively um and I know a couple guys that you know they've done the complete swap out for like thirty five hundred bucks
0: and they did the labor, right that's what Steve Crohn did,
1: yeah. 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 No, this, oh, okay. well, this was actually labor in a shop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because they, they picked up some gears for like 800 bucks. I oh, mean, wow, it, was, okay. it was fairly That's reasonable. It's really used. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because most people are afraid of those gears. They're not yeah. running direct so, drive and they think, so, Oh God, if I put that in an overdrive, my truck <laughs> like, ain't going to go up a hill. Right. I'll have
0: to push it up the hill. <laughs> so John, give us some numbers yeah. then. All
1: right. What, what are we looking at here? So with the three forty twos. I think that's what we put in there at right? 342 with the low pro tire. I'm using 40.2 inches tall, which is pretty average for a low pro. Uh, mm-hmm. At 75 miles per hour in double over in the second overdrive, he's going to be at 1566 RPM.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's now awful. if we go down to
1: uh, let's go to a 250 because those are available used. Like I said, Steve did that. He got a cut off, uh, and that those are those are widely available. So if you are going to go to a used set of 250s for a reasonable price if it was for a reasonable price, uh, so let's go 2.5 at 75 miles per hour. Uh, let me take a look here. That drops it down to 1145 and double over 1568 and in, indirect single overs at 1348.
0: So that's a much more drivable. Liters, probably truck. happy.
1: Yeah. You probably do it in single over. um, that's right around fourteen hundred. That's where we're, where a fourteen liter series sixty is probably pretty happy there. Uh, you maybe go a little lower than that, but uh, yeah.
0: Hey, Joel.
1: So yeah, two fifties. If you me you said the two fifties uh-huh. be doable.
0: Yeah, hey, and and that that, that makes it excellent. a it, it does it makes it a much more drivable truck. But uh, it, and this is the importance of specing the truck right the first time. So we're not going back and spending all this money, you know, now that fuel prices have gone through the roof but still driving 75 miles an hour. Um, Joel, this idea (laughs) right now of he's running these high RPMs all day long, what's that doing to his emissions? Yeah, if if you have emissions on this truck. Oh, this one was. uh, He said this was pre-emission, that's right. That's right. I yeah.
1: Forgot. But, but if it did, it, that's where this becomes very problematic for the emissions trucks. And regardless if it's a commons of Volvo, it doesn't really make any difference. Um, the higher the RPM, the more air you're pushing through the system, you're, you're cooling down the combustion. Um, Typically. Now when you're pulling hard, obviously pulling up the hill to higher RPMs, you still have some heat in there. So it's, it's not that big a deal, but we're not on grade all that often. So turning 1500 RPM in an emissions engine, um, you're just, you're begging for, for issues. Um, you're, you're going to have all kinds of issues over time doing that. So you really got to be careful and really have to pay attention to, to RPM and what we're really truly talking about is the, is the piston speed. So
0: absolutely. And Joel, I don't know if I've ever asked you this or not with all the access you have to, you know, some of the people inside at the OEMs and that is there a number out there? I mean, we can all calculate fuel economy. We've been doing it so long, but what's the number on maintenance cost with a 15 or 20 mile an hour faster speed?
1: I don't know. Um, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll have a chat with my brother about that. And, um, because we, we have opened up the speed on, on some of our trucks and then we've controlled some of the other ones a little bit tighter and, uh, I'll, I'll see what he's, he's looking at actual numbers in the fleet Yeah, and, uh,
0: yeah. try and get you know, a we,
1: good number for you on that. We,
0: we, we tend to ignore that. I mean, t- you know, tires wear out a whole lot faster. Um, everything's working harder. You know, we talk about how much horsepower it takes to push a truck through that much wind at those speeds. Everything has to wear out faster.
1: You know, somebody told me that just if you were just rotating the engine, that the difference between 1,100 and I think it was 1,600 RPM for your typical average engine, it's like 30 horsepower it takes just to rotate the engine that much faster.
0: Just the engine, right? We're not talking about the yeah, driveline, the, the tires, the, the wind, right? Yeah, 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 right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah.
1: yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. There, there's there's a, a, a big cost associated with speed. Um, Fleets are typically driven to this because we got to keep people exactly. in the seat. And when it, people are absolutely paid, paid by the mile, right. when people are paid by the mile, it's the very first question guys ask when they walk through the door is how fast hey, are your yep. trucks I, it's I, without fail. That is the first question. So as a fleet, you have to address that as an owner operator, Hopefully, you know, you can apply some logic to this and say, hey, you know, here's here's my advantage. I'm not going to uh, make the mistake that the fleets all have to deal with.
0: Yeah, you know, and I've heard people over the years say, well, we can't compete with the big fleets. They get their trucks cheap. They get their fuel cheap. They get their tires cheap, which isn't, isn't always true. But the point I try to get to them is why are you trying to compete with them at their game? Do the things they can't do. You know they can't put an OPS on their truck. Right. They, they just can't. They can't yeah. put a fleet <laughs> air filter in their truck. They they're not going to put an air dog. And you can do all those things. You can drive your truck way better than you know the typical company drive. Don't compete with them at what they do best. Go do what you can exactly. do best. You're not- you're never going to win that economy of scale game against the fleet ever.
1: And you shouldn't even be thinking in those terms. It should be efficiency, 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 because that's what they can't do. They have too many assets to manage. They cannot manage efficiency. They have to do it through economies of scale, completely different business model. And as a small fleet, if you would even attempt to do an economy of scale thing, you're going to, you're going to be out of business in a big hurry.
0: Hey guys, um, you two talk for a little bit. Because I'm sitting in the shop and my generator just came on because my voltage got low. So, I will be back in, (laughs) in one minute before I smoke everybody out of here. Oh, my.
1: There was nothing, nothing worse than, uh, would have trucks in the shop there and they, the damn APUs would kick on. And those things are so noisy and stinky. And like, I just, that, that, that was, that was bad. So his was is not, not as bad, but, uh, yeah, at least it's not a, one of those those APUs. Yeah. Or a, or a two stroke inside fired up or on <laughs> <There we>
0: go I figured I better take care of that before, uh, before I have a revolt here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> guys, yeah, You're know. still there. Why are you still there? Oh, I, I was going to talk about that today, but we had so much to talk about. So, um, well, let's hear it. Yeah, all right, let's well, hear it. How long so, are you going to
1: be in town? Maybe we'll have dinner. So,
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> Well, at least tonight, if you could make it. I'm hoping I get out of here tonight, but it's not entirely <laughs> guaranteed yet. So, here's what happened um, the first time we had it in, remember how much work it was to do a smoke test on it? It was insane. I didn't want to tear the bedroom apart because I had never really done it. And the shop said, it's a lot of work and you really don't want to do it. And so I didn't at that point. And so we found that one big boost leak. We fixed it. And then we went on to other things and kind of forgot about, we never went back and retested. Um, we fixed the one and then we ran out of time and it was the weekend. So last Friday I hit the road and I'm heading, uh, East on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and I'm on that uh, last climb before Somerset. There, and I'm easing on the throttle and passing everybody up the hill until I wasn't passing everybody up the hill anymore. <laughs> and I looked down, and I was producing all of nine pounds of boost. <sighs> oh yeah! Oh lovely! Yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: All, all that, all that boost, all that boost from that tune blew on the tank <laughs> off of your charge that's, air cooler, that's, didn't it? That's exactly <laughs> what
0: it did. But that wasn't that wasn't the first boost leak I found because you can't really get to the charge air cooler. And I didn't. I'm in Somerset. It's Friday night. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? So I decide I might as well tear the bedroom apart because I'm going to have to get to all this. Pl- there is so much damn plumbing on these C13s. Um, <laughs> my air intake comes in from one side. My charger cooler's on the other side. You got all the plumbing to the two turbos. It's a mess in there. But I looked down, and the manifold clamp, it's got that three-piece manifold. That The yep. manifold clamp, the T-bolt's busted. The packing material's gone. And I thought, well, I can't believe I lost, you know, 30 pounds of boost from that. But I got to fix that, which was about a four-hour job trying to get that four-piece clamp in there because you can only reach one hand down there so that was a whole nother story so i got that fixed knew it wasn't going to be the only problem took it out now i had about 14 pounds of boost um nobody in somerset even though there's like 10 truck shops over there um really wanted to even talk about a boost leak nobody really knew how to test one the one mechanic i'm talking to is looking at me and he's like do you realize you could just have a pinhole someplace we're never gonna find it i'm like what (laughs) What? no i'm down to 14 pounds of boost this is a little more than a pinhole (laughs) no no i see it all the time (laughs) no you don't idiot um so i just decided to Put it in the wind and, you know, come back to Pittsburgh Power, and we've been in the shop all week. I blew uh, about 14 bolts off the uh, tanks on the side of the Charger cooler. Um (laughs) some of them though when i pulled the bolts out they've been busted a long time they were very rusty at the end so uh, i'm not blaming it all on the tune i I think what's happening is every time we fix one boost leak we're finding the next weak spot in the system um so charger cooler the only place i could find it was oregon um it's a custom build nobody a DuraLite doesn't make one nobody makes one and it is the entire assembly is a custom build radiator charger cooler ac condenser all in all in a big shroud all bolted together damn there goes my generator again it's not supposed to do that if i (laughs) shut it off i will be back 30 seconds don't wait (laughs) <laughs> so that's
1: about what 60 pounds of boost will do for you uh, hey i'm thinking maybe maybe they should have went the other way and took it down to 400 horsepower if i would have saved a lot of time and money <laughs>
0: <laughs> i heard that <laughs> so <laughs> so i i called the factory and i said how do you, how do I change this thing out if it's all one assembly? And they said, Well, on yours, you got to get the coach <laughs> up high enough and the whole assembly has to come out the bottom. I'm like, well, you got to be kidding wow. me. So I've got a hydraulic fan in there, I've got hoses and lines everywhere. We got looking at it. And the more we looked at it, the more we thought, I think we can figure out how to get this thing apart and get the charger cooler out the side. So we did manage to do that. I had to have the charger cooler put on a plane um, to get it here, and that charger cooler was thirty six hundred dollars. Ouch! Yeah, and oh, another another six hundred to get it here in two days. Um, we've got it about eighty percent of the way back in, but then we had to. We're fabricating some new brackets for the condenser because it wouldn't fit right um we had to shoehorn this new charger cooler. you should see this thing though it is beautiful all aluminum all welded um but because they welded the intake and the uh output on it they used to be cast and they were kind of rounded these are big square and it almost didn't go back in um I actually lost. Wow. A little, I actually lost a little paint because uh, I got a little frustrated and pushed it in because there was no way <laughs> I, was,
2: <laughs> I, I could fix
0: the paint. It's just a little scratch. Uh, so it's about eighty percent of the way back in. We got to fabricate some brackets after I get off the air here and button it back up. And
1: Sorry, then I got a, I got a question for you. All right, I got a question for you before you get, get too far. So I know you've talked about the benefits of horsepower and the feeling of euphoria you get. <laughs> Is it outweighing the frustration?
0: <laughs> the, I'm just wondering. The, so here's here's the truth on that. The first two or three, well, the first day on Friday night when I'm stuck on a Friday night trying to find a boost leak hell no not even close. Um, <laughs> now that I actually just kind of settled down and said, stop being in a rush. Let's find all the boost leaks and get them fixed. Let's find all these hoses that are rubbing and just get it fixed. And I've actually kind of enjoyed mm-hmm. hanging out in the shop all week. And we really tore into this thing. I, I put the uh, the back shocks on, which I was going to wait till I got home on that because I wanted to get back out on the road. And I've fixed... Uh, You know, a lot of hoses that were chafing. I went all over a bunch of it. Uh, Today, when we get this in, it's not going anywhere till we absolutely fix every boost leak because I have everything taken apart. Now I can get to everything. So, no, in the beginning, I thought, oh, man, this is a pain. But now I'm kind of glad I did it. it, The coach is just at that point where it needs some TLC. You You know, 200,000 miles on a coach is like a million on a truck. So it's just time, and right. I, I'm kind of enjoying it. I mean, I've been every day. I just, uh, I just get out there, and and I I've been working on it till you know nine nine thirty every night, and I, I'm kind of glad. I've never really spent this much time on it, and uh, I think once I get this all taken care of, I think I'll be good for a while, and I'll still have all that horsepower good. to go have fun with. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs>
0: but yes, it it did create so some you, issues you- with boost <laughs> leaks.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. So my my next story is that Allison automatic in there. So yeah. So we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens when we get through the mountains going home.
0: What's the torque rating on that thing? I never even looked. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. I don't yeah. know either. You may oh, not want to oh, know. What, what, I know it's I, less than you're making right now. I'm, oh, I'm sure <laughs> it's less than I'm making. Yeah. So so we'll see we'll see because we've always said as long as you've got a good driver, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh-huh. Now that I've said that with, if my uh, transmission manual... fails, I'm not telling it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know if it does, I'm
0: gonna pick on you yeah, for I the rest know. of your life, I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you'll you'll know if you'll know if I come on the air one day and talk about shifting my new transmission.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, well,
1: my. I mean, you, you may just need to, like, plan your route home by where we're, we're friendly shops are. Then, you know, you head towards T&E and then go somewhere, you know, who, who you yeah. have out uh, west. But, yeah, you gotta go, You got to gotta go that way, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> honestly,
0: you know what I've been doing? Uh, you know, while I'm here in the shop every day, all these tool trucks keep pulling in. I've just been upgrading all oh. of my tools um, <laughs> so I can do it myself. Hey,
3: John, hey. what did we talk about uh, with
1: toolboxes and compensation? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you're just, <laughs> you're, oh, you got the tune, you got the tools, I, you got everything going on. Yeah, you're doing it all. I've, a shifter. You <laughs> can't do. You can't do the tall shifter, Joel. You got that one, right? <laughs> you, you, you know, I've got to say, I've, so, I've, I, I, I said to Joel yesterday, we were chatting about that and in, uh, in different different things of such. Uh, but you know, I had a mechanic here. My, my shop's kind of small. My whole building's only about four thousand square feet. And at the time, I only had half of it. But at least I have the whole thing now. Uh, we owned the building, but we had a tenant in part of it back then. And I ran my team out of a small one side of it. And I hired a new mechanic who was an old friend from other teams and he'd been around forever, really good mechanic. And he shows up with this monstrous, like it had to come on a flatbed, this toolbox of his. And I'm like, (laughs) man. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you're really, really
0: compensating for something with that thing. <laughs>
1: and That's so much space. <laughs> like, What's up with that?
0: Well, all right, guys, this is an awful lot of fun at my expense. So I think we should get back to the calls here, so I can go out and <laughs> so I can go out and play with my new three-quarter-inch electric impact gun. get the three quarter snap
1: on
0: (laughs) DeWalt did you get the snap on three quarter DeWalt DeWalt okay because I already have so much DeWalt stuff I kind of figured I might as well stick Uh with it yeah I got the half and the three quarter oh nice I got the little compact half inch that's really nice yeah so (laughs) (sighs) right, let's uh, let's take some calls so I can get out of here and get back to work and maybe actually get uh, on the road heading home sometime (laughs) soon Rob in California, <laughs> welcome.
1: Howdy, Kevin. I have a health question for you. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to do the yogurt, and I'm following. I read Doctor Davis's book, as I heard of him on your show. And it turns out, if you do a little research, that the gastrus is grown on a medium that contains barley. Oh. Um, and doesn't someone with a celiac mm-hmm. disease. That scares the bejesus out of me. At yeah. least seven months of my life when I get dosed.
0: Yeah, I'd stay away from it. I didn't yeah. realize that. You know, for okay. for even for people who want to be kind of grain free and gluten free, uh, things like blue cheese can actually have gluten because they grow the mold for the cheese and and all that on a, a wheat. Um, substrate so there there is some gluten in there most people that are not celiac it's such a small amount of gluten it's not an issue but as a celiac i i don't think i would take that chance
1: so the follow-up is going to be that being the case which is, is there a specific strain of yogurt you'd recommend or a different product to get the starter culture from?
0: I don't think there is a different starter culture. Um, sure. Not that I'm aware of. So I would just say look through the other yogurts that uh, Dr. Davis has developed and look for the benefits that are most important to you. All righty. I do have a follow up question, though. Um, sure. Do you know I have no of anything that will help heal cartilage damage? Um, your best bet is bone broth. I would just be drinking 12 to 14 ounces of bone broth every day.
3: All right, will do. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Appreciate
0: it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You know, I'd also have to look through ancestral supplements. They may have uh, something for that. I'll take a look at that, and uh, I'll see. Let's go to Illinois. Matt, welcome to the program.
5: Hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm looking around this weekend to buy either the full blow
3: aero kit or full fenders. I'm just wondering which one would have the uh, better aerodynamics or if I can actually combine and use both.
0: That would be like wearing suspenders <laughs> and a belt. What you're doing?
1: Now don't,
0: don't, don't do
1: both. What? what it, <laughs> what are you doing? What's, okay. what, uh, your band trailer what, what's uh, that going reaper. on? Reaper For trailer. So my experience with full fenders, if you are dropping and hooking that trailer with any frequency at all, you're going to knock them things off eventually. And um, so anything that you, you might gain, you're going to lose repairing them. So
0: I would really think twice about the full fender. Um, okay. I, com- I completely agree with that. John, is it possible yep. that full fenders could actually make aerodynamics worse?
1: I believe they do, especially that, the skirting. You see the stuff flapping in the air if it's not solidly attached. And, and I personally don't believe any of it is is rigid enough to be super effective. I mean, I, I know, you know, it's part of a... <clears throat> you know, the arrow or what, what was that program that the government did for the tax right off it. So it had everybody hanging that stuff on their trucks. Uh, smart um, way. Smart way. Yeah, I know, I know it's part of that and people do it, but there, there are other solutions. I, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the smart truck stuff. Uh, their little diffuser that they put right in front of the axle to redirect that air, I think, is way more effective than side skirts. And their ARGs, their their little laminar flow things on the on the back edge of the trailers, I also feel are more effective than the uh, those other little vortex generator deals that you guys use. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just see the flow below is really. I, I like the flow below because, as we've talked about before, with the uh, aerodynamics of tires is really terrible. So fairing the two together like that flow below does makes a difference um you know it probably reduces the drag to being more like one tire than two um so there's there's definitely uh, yeah just go with flow below for now i agree what, what's your area of oper-
3: what's your area of operation uh typically it's Wisconsin to Texas
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Ride. Yeah. Yeah. You would probably get some benefit out of it. The guys that run a lot East, their average speeds typically are a little bit low right. and um, I don't know that you get a whole lot of benefit out of the flow below. Once you get West of the Mississippi, I think it's a no brainer. So yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that's probably your, your best move. Uh, flow below with the wheel covers. Um, if you don't put the wheel covers on with that center bone, um, I'm not sure that it's really doing anything for you. It it may be a little bit, but you won't be able to measure it with the wheel covers. Um, if you have a high enough cruise speed, you'll, you'll see a difference.
5: Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I was thinking about, you know, combining the full blow with the full fenders, you know,
0: basically taking the whole, now, just uh-huh. just think suspenders and belt. Don't do don't do it. Don't but... do it. Yeah, okay. it, 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 you may yeah, spend I, all the I, money I and just... end up worse by trying to put both on. It's and like Joel said, you're not going to be happy with the full fenders. Okay. Yeah. Not... All right, we're going to move on. We got to get through a couple calls here. David in Illinois, it's your turn.
6: Yes, I wanted to give a little bit of a rebuttal to the caller a little bit earlier asking about the switch between 11 number tires versus 11 or a Lopo 225. My other truck is almost identical to what he described, other than the fact that I have a 12.7. When I first bought that truck, it had a 10 speed with tall 225. And I literally it the combination. I would have given that truck away, and I found somebody that would have taken it from me. It was a great truck at 65 and beyond, but to run in that 55 to 60 range, it just made it hard to drive because you were constantly shifting. So I put a 13-speed in it, and I changed over to the 22.5 Mopro Wide Single and that made it much better. I actually started to enjoy the 342s and actually decided that it was a much better gear than a 355, which was thought of as standard back then. I then had a chance, like you, know, you and I have met several years back. So I used to have the nine with the big house getting eight mile a gallon with the homemade lift access. Well. It was time to take that truck to the next level, and I put a 250, 23,000-pound drive axle in with a homemade lift, and that became the perfect truck. I then had Fernando do me a 3 stage tune into the 500-horse BK series. The top setting was about 650, and it ran like a dream. About fifty thousand a mile, and then I broke the crankshaft, so that sort of burst my bubble. <laughs> the truck that I'm in now, I basically decided to part that truck out, but I fell in love with that two fifty ratio, which I compared to the three forty two running in overdrive. That back end of that truck is now on this Kenworth thing, the end right now as we speak. I can run 75 mile an hour, in 11 gear, and I still pull down six and three quarters when I'm loaded. When I'm loaded, I'm 80,000 plus. When I'm empty, I've got three axles on the ground, and I can knock down eight and a half to nine based on what speed I'm running. But uh, in, in all situations, and I've gone from the tall 22-5 to the low pro 22 drive. I've only lost, I mean, I, I've actually jumped up about 60 RPM. And because of the way you used to describe it years ago, I have never looked at RPM. I've always looked at all the other parameters. And I'm a simplistic person. I don't know if I've ever really sat down and put numbers on a piece of paper. I it'd be for me to buy something to it in, And if it works fine, if not, i pull it out so something else then. But that's 342, or this 250 are low close for the older truck. So the truck we in right now is a 3 million miles E 600 with an E-Miles cat. And I could say I'm running 75 right now doing 16, not 16, you might see the numbers on the 16. but. It works perfect for me because it's an older truck. The combination to me is the idea of that 250 or that 342 if you're going to run a higher speed.
0: Got it. All right. Thanks for the feedback. You know, I think one of the lessons here yeah. is that we, we, tend to try to use gearing to make up for other mistakes we made in specking when if we were serious about being efficient we should do everything else correct first and then put in the right gear not try to use the gear to make up for the fact that we had the wrong tire size or the wrong transmission or we're running the truck at the wrong speed or, or whatever i mean if we really want to be efficient the gear should almost be the last thing we pick
1: Yeah, it's really a holistic approach. You've got to consider everything together. It's the the picking and choosing and, and trying to mix and match without really considering it as one piece. Uh, doesn't work well, so yeah, you're, you're right. I'm, a lot of guys get into having to change out things three or four times um, to, to try to make things work, and you know they're compensating for this or that, and it, it really becomes a mess at at uh, at some point.
0: There's that compensating no thing again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're going to
3: go to he just, he just backed up what we
1: said though. Yeah, well, exactly. We, right. you know, I went, right. we went to the 250 and it came out just right. Right, yeah. right on. Yeah, so yep. that was, uh, yeah.
0: All right. Final call of the day. Bill in Texas, you get the last word. Hey,
7: I've got a 2019 Western Star glider with a non emission 12.7 Detroit. Detroit, uh, 280 gears, and a 13 double over 13 speed. And I was wondering on the gearing. Um, when I first spec'd this out, I was told the 280 gears is what I wanted, and, but yet when I'm running 57 miles an hour, I'm just shy of 1,400 RPM, and I can tell you here in a second to be more precise, at 65, I'm pretty close to the same thing in uh, the first overdrive. I hardly ever use a second one. I'm just wondering if there's a better gear I could be using.
1: So you're you're a, a two point eight zero, yep, and, and the, the second overdrive is what point
7: eight six. I yeah, I think so. Or I I don't yeah. remember
1: exactly, but it sounds right. So that's that's about on par with a two forty direct. Um, and what was the engine again in it? Twelve seven. Twelve seven. Yep. Not a mission. Well, John, you know where that thing likes to run. He should be fairly close. he probably towards the upper range of where that Detroit likes yeah. to run. Right. Well, 1250 to 1400, 1400. Uh, it's coming along there pretty well. Okay. Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, I
1: guess, so
3: you
1: point? know, oh, I still have my spreadsheet. I should put this away. It's a distraction. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that's okay. I've had to get I up guess, six times to turn off my generator.
1: Like, go on. Where were we on that? So you have a two eighty gear right now with a low pro and a thirteen speed, right? Yep. Yep. And that's point eight, six and point seven, three, Should seven, be three. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So and what speed do you like to run?
7: Well, most of the time I'm running 65. I like running 57, but I, yeah.
1: you're right there and single over there. Single over put you at 1309.
7: Does
1: that fit with what you're seeing right now? That's at a, again, 40.2 tall tire.
7: Okay. Well, I was just wondering, because all the talk on piston speed and everything, I don't I don't know how that well, relates to my engine.
1: Yeah, all that's going <laughs> to, if you listen to me talk about it in a Volvo, it's not going to apply to that's your Detroit. Right. Um, we're we're okay. making power at completely different ends of the spectrum, and if you try to run that Detroit down at 950 RPM where I'm running mine, you're going to fall on your face. You're just not making enough order to power down there. Right. You're, you're, you're pretty good where you're at, I think. Uh, pre- pretty spot on, actually. Seems like it. Okay. Well, great. Thank you.
2: You're yeah, that's good,
1: yeah, if he slowed down to 58, it'd be 1350 in direct, which is right, right on 1360, actually 58, 59. Yep. We could run direct if he went that slow and probably get better fuel mileage. I,
0: but, you yeah. know, at that point, I mean, we even had some of those Swift trucks that had 293s with basically the, the rest of the setup was the same, 12.7. Um, at 55, those things got incredible fuel economy. Mhm. Right. Yeah, that that's not Absolutely. a bad place to be at all, especially today yeah, when <clears throat> rates are on the way down, fuel's outrageously high. You know, we're done by the way. We're just going to wrap this up. Um every day I turn on the TV, I hear everybody talking about gas prices. I hear almost nobody talking about diesel. It's 5 10 a gallon and everybody's running around like it's uh, you know, it's a b- buck 80 a gallon.
1: Well, well, we all get fuel surcharges. We don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> I get a you know, fuel surcharge. I don't care what it costs. actually, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, if you've got a truck that's doing well, if you got a truck that's doing really well and you get fuel surcharge, you guys are making bank right now. That's why no one's whining.
0: You really so, do, yeah. yeah. And, and I've been the one saying that for years. But I've also said that I do not want to see it get to this point. I don't care how much money we make. I've always thought that $4 a gallon range is where we make a really nice bonus and it's not enough to really impact the economy all that much. But boy, at, Five ten a gallon with everybody calling and saying, well, how can I run 80 miles an hour and still, (laughs) you guys heard of inflation? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: Here's the thing though. It's it's what the market will bear. Right. So obviously, you know, the inflation we're dealing with right now and the high fuel costs and so forth, people are still buying shit. I know until that stops. I I don't know when the, the other thing is going to stop. Right. So, you know, we slow the trucks down and stop buying as much fuel. And the, if, you know, the speculators There's on the oil prices and, you know, I, I might disagree with you on the, we would get into a whole nother conversation about drilling or not, but I mean, it's a global market and the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the market controls the price, the global market controls the price. We can okay. poke as many holes in the ground as we want. And until we isolate ourselves from the global market somehow, I don't know how we're going to change it. And until we just simply stop buying it, well, somehow that, that's, <laughs> back in some way, safer form. That's kind of my go down. That's like, kind yeah, of my point.
0: Is this is kind of like when you know we're we're still drinking, the party's still on, but you got to remember, every extra drink you take, the hangover is a whole lot worse.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that I, is exactly yeah. right.
0: I, it's just like it's it's still party time, and I'm wondering when everybody's going to wake up. Party's over well then the hangover comes right exactly <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. What we're heading for. all yeah. right well my my generator just kicked on for the you know ninth time during the show <laughs> so i think i'm gonna wrap this up and uh go actually fix this thing so i can pull it outside and, and try driving it <laughs> hey
1: maybe I, I got race cars to work on may, i'm gonna go maybe yeah. they can put a tune in my
0: generator uh, just kidding well, hey, uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we will six hundred horsepower generator. That's there right. You go. All right. Thanks, you two for a great show. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see you about doing it again next week. Uh, we will. Uh, All right. Sounds good. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.